This, this is Forces Sport. Sport. Hello and welcome. You're here with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. A big welcome back as we haven't been on the air for a couple of weeks now and there's been lots of sports happening around the Forces world. Now, I get asked a lot about how professional rugby contracts work with serving military personnel. It's a bit of a mystery, but we've been speaking to the man who can reveal all. Chris Folk is the Chief Operations Officer and Secretary of the Army Rugby Union. A soldier, depending on their value, will have, could have some of their wage um, abated. Um, and so let's take, um, let's take Save Nialo at Bristol. Pat Lamb doesn't pay, pay Saver Nialo the same amount of money that he plays one of his other marquee players. Um, and so, yes, they are, they are considerably cheaper jewels, but they are getting a lot more money um, than just being a soldier because he's playing a professional sport. And of course, we're not just talking about men's rugby here. A huge number of military women are now forming the backbone of these big clubs. They're only on a sort of pay-as-you-play type arrangement at the moment. And I think, you know, there, there will be, um, and I think it'll happen quite soon, some reality that women, quite rightly in my view, should, same, should have the same or similar-ish amounts of financial um, retribution to, to the blokes. So stay tuned for that little mystery that'll be solved later in the programme. But it's not a one-size-fits-all process. And of course, it's different across the three armed forces as the different unions decide what works best for them. But interesting, Jules, because we've never really, well, I've never really asked the question. I just assumed that it was kind of the same generic rule for, for all those service personnel. But um, a lot of machinations going on there. I like the way you've just kicked off seamlessly as if we've never been away <laughs> yeah. since we have been away. I've forgotten what you look like. The, the country has a new government. We've oh. said goodbye to Her Majesty the Queen. We've Lovely welcomed woman. a new king. We would give you a rendition <laughs> of the national anthem, but we're struggling with the new words. So to come to your question about rugby union, what was it again? Just that... Um, yes, you're right. No, yeah. Yeah. It, right. just that it's, it's, it's a shame because we had that chat with Chris uh, a little while ago before yes. the world changed at home and overseas. And we didn't get a chance to talk to him obviously about clubs, because at the moment, clubs are going to the walls, aren't they? Mm. So you know, we're, we're saying goodbye to Worcester Warriors. So in terms of, of, of player contracts, I think the landscape is going to change again over the coming weeks and months, because I, I think rugby football unions in a, in a little bit of a pickle following the pandemic and other things. But it is interesting to is get... Is it Christian largely point. the pandemic, do you think, that's had this sort of knock-on effect? I don't know. It's had a huge. Mm. It's had a huge impact, and uh, balancing the books in professional sports not easy, yeah. and, and saying goodbye to one of the top clubs mm. that's going to leave a huge hole. And it's it's not as easy as another club coming up to fill Worcester Warriors' place. So there's a, there's a lot that has to go. Yeah, that has to happen. Yeah, um, and yet they won at the weekend. They beat Newcastle. You Backs know, it's just sad to see, isn't it? <laughs> Backs against the wall. But you'll be hearing more from Chris later on in the program. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm staying with Rugby Union and some, some, some more positive news. The Home Nations Women's Rugby World Cup squads were announced in the last week or so. And it's amazing that we have three REF women representing three different countries. Amy Cocaine of England, Sarah Bonner for Scotland and Karis Williams-Morris with Wales. They've all played together in the light blue of the Air Force and have also played for the same club before up at Litchfield. But come the 8th of October, they'll be fierce rivals. Now, I started the week by going to Pennyhill Park to see England in training and I spoke to Amy and the head coach Simon Middleton. 
If you look across those 25 games, there's, there's been a lot of depth. We've played a lot of different variations in team, um, a lot of different players. We've got players that have got lots of caps, we've got players that haven't got many caps. So I think the variety we have in the team now is huge and confidence that no matter who's on the pitch, we got caught short last World Cup. Um, we had to make a few final changes and, and probably didn't practice that enough. So the fact that this time, you know, we've played so many different varieties, um, whatever 15s on that pitch at the, at the time, hopefully we'll get a job done. So you don't think that the sort of pre-tournaments or at least one of the pre-tournament favourite tag is going to affect you when you're out there or in the build-up? No, definitely not. You know, anything that happens at a World Cup, anyone can bring the A game and any game can make a difference, especially when you play knockout rugby and um, when you look at quarters, semis, things like that. So um, you've just got to go out there and win the next game every time, haven't you? Yeah, I think she brings great character for a start. Uh, you know, and quite a unique character, you know, very laid back, uh, but then knows knows when to get on it, you know, in, ter in terms of the rugby piece. But I think the other bit she brings is is, is incredible uh, quality as rugby player. She, she's she's a real high performer, uh, great skill set, and, uh, and 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 as a rugby player, because some people have lots of facets. But Amy's quite unique because she's obviously a hooker, which means she's got a, a fantastic skill set throwing in a line out. But she's also got great skills, just ball in hand. She runs the ball well. You saw her at the weekend, you know, some of those great line breaks she made. That's that's quite commonplace. Uh, you know, sometimes when, when when we let her loose, she she pops up at ten or twelve <laughs> or whatever with the with the forces. We're like, what's happened there, Amy? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that's the other part. You've got to keep check a little bit because she's quite oh it'll be okay you know yeah. so uh, yeah fantastic character uh, great rugby player um i know we always joke about amy scoring tries jules but um it's generally not just us i mean simon middleton sort of you know he talked about it there and also when i had a conversation with amy sarah bonner and Karis all at the same time sadly on zoom but um you know we had a conversation they all joked i said what's the most annoying thing about amy and they both said that she scores tries because Karis is a winger sarah granted is in the pack but has never scored a try hasn't scored a try for ages and they're like amy just does it um casually as if it's nothing and it seems to be a running joke wherever she goes so that's quite well, fun yeah front rows are sort of frustrated scrum <laughs> yeah. halves or, or fly halves aren't they well as simon said you know she she's played everywhere for the forces we've definitely seen her on on the flank and um definitely uh, i think number 10 as well she's played that so that's quite funny but england must be one of the pre-tournament favorites having just won their 25th test in a row but a juicy battle is brewing between caris and sarah as their first game wales versus scotland is against each other yeah the prep's been really good i think probably wales and scotland are quite similarly matched teams so six nations the result was quite close wales came away with the win um so I think both teams have now, it's kind of the last few months has been the first kind of taste of professionalism and full-time training and having all of that support. And like, obviously speaking from a Wales point of view, like it's been absolutely amazing, like all the support we've had in terms of S&C, like the nutrition, psychology support, analysis, all of that, plus obviously the pitch sessions and the unit sessions and stuff that we do. So yeah, the girls feel feel really good and really positive about it and we just want to go and do a job out in New Zealand I think that first game is is a very important game you know there's no easy games in our pool so you know if we if we win that game then gives us a good shot of going to the quarters if we if we don't then it will be a, a tough kind of battle then with Australia and New Zealand also in our pool. 
What about you, Bonds? How's it going at Scotland? <laughs> that was a really diplomatic answer, fair play. Um, but yeah, pretty much echo everything Karis has said. That game, <laughs> I think, for um, both nations is is a is a must win. So it's going to be uh, like a fine battle, and I, I think excited um, to kind of step up to the opportunity you know like we came away with that narrow loss in six nations so we really want to rectify some wrongs but from a preparation perspective a lot like Wales we've had uh, a few months together now to to train which we haven't had before which is hopefully going to put us in a good place come the tournament. Really exciting times Jules and it's going to be a great tournament and possibly fair to say in the spiritual home of rugby union I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) Why do you think it's in the hills of Wales? New Zealand can play a bit but I wouldn't go that far. Um, They are the current champions but yeah not um, not in the women's game necessarily up to England standard at the moment would you say? Do you want to make a punt? I I would say England are Firm favourites. Yeah, firm favourites, because everyone else is playing catch-up. We've only just seen Wales and Scotland just this year award professional contracts Mm. to their female players. So it's important that they go to to Scotland. It's important (laughs) that they go to New Zealand as part of this building phase and come home with something, whether it's a victory or a close defeat, something to build on for the future. Because England at the moment, you can sort of see them off in the distance, but they are some way off in the distance. Yeah, what a trio as well to be going out and representing the RAF. Fantastic. Um, now, whilst um, still with Rugby Union, whilst we were away, the Commonwealth Cup was given permission to continue. This was what a three-way... Is, what, is the, what is the Commonwealth Cup? It is a three-way tournament between You're the Royal Navy right. and the Navy's Australia and New Zealand, as we're in, in those shores. The senior service won both their games, claiming the silverware early on. The Aussies then beating their Antipodean neighbours last Tuesday. Swapping codes in this week saw the first inter-services rugby league since 2019. The Royal Air Force women just held off a resurgent Royal Navy side to win 24-20 in Portsmouth. Here's John Knighton speaking to the two captains. Another three metres, we would have had that. But no, I could not be prouder of what we'd done on that pitch then. We brought it to you. I felt like that was the best game of rugby we played against each other. And I'm genuinely just proud. So proud. You must be genuinely delighted with that. I mean, it was a terrific second half performance. Yeah, it was a good run from the girls. I think, you know, coming into it, we knew we couldn't be complacent. Obviously, we had a friendly against the girls the other week. But we knew, obviously, coming in, they were going to give it as sort of as good as we could get. So, yeah. It's just one of those dig deep to the bitter end. It's nearly there, but obviously we've got the win in the end. So, yeah. I and mean, it's a long time since we've had inter-services rugby of any sort. And, you know, great for you to be back playing again, but such a tight contest. Yeah, I think obviously, especially with like recent events, um, you know, a lot of the girls were involved with everything, like taking part in ceremonies and everything like that. So it was a great sort of, you know, to, to come out of that and show like our like individual services like what we can do and just you know it's it's just nice to sort of be able that and obviously celebrate the win for ourselves and i know the army have been watching today what a a message for them maybe ahead of your matches what next week obviously at oddsall and then of course the rf you know you've got to the game uh, in a couple of weeks time message stand by army we'll have you (laughs) we'll absolutely have you after that cracking performance from those girls then i can't wait for next saturday let's bring it I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, we're just going to focus on ourselves and uh, just see what comes our way. Now, the Royal Navy men still riding high after their history-making Challenge Cup run. Put aside the Air Force 22-12. It was all dark blue for the first 40, but the RAF made a late comeback, but it just wasn't enough. Here's the two Bens, RAF Captain Meller and Navy Skipper Taylor. 
Just a slow start and then discipline. We give them a bit much and then their first couple of tries was probably from us helping them get down the field. And we started, we got going, or we just couldn't finish things. I think it was a good battle in the middles. And I think Buck will agree with that. And then it was, I think we just weren't, we just weren't tight enough on the edges and give them a little bit too much discipline-wise and they were just a bit too far away. Ben, I mean, quite a, a stunning first half for you guys, really. You must have been quite confident getting so far ahead. Um, do you agree with what he says? You know, it was a battle in, in any way. Yeah, well, it's evident how many walking wounded we've got that it, it were a big big battle in the middle. Uh, we just executed well in that first half. We played to our systems, um, finished in great areas at field, and then points come, so, you know, couldn't really have played too much better for the first half. And then you come back and give us a bit of a scare coming back, but obviously held off, so... Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a scare and we really saw what the RAF can produce. So I assume you'll, that'll be what you'll sort of, you'll go back to the guys with and what you can use against the army. Yeah, hopefully. Like we got there in the end and we had a good week this week and just didn't execute well today. So hopefully go away, lick our wounds a little bit and then we can come back and fix things up against the army. That's a good thing. We've got another game and a little week off to, to fix it up in the, in the middle. You're both a little bit walking wounded. Tell us, are you all right, Ben? What did you suffer? Uh, just hamstring tear, yeah. I think uh, showing my age now, but yeah. And I don't think me and Buck either was finished the game. So, <laughs> yeah. But I'll, hopefully, we'll see. We'll see next few days, will tell. So, okay. yeah. Thank right. you. Thanks very much. But just one final word from you. Um, it was a pretty resounding performance for the Royal Navy until the last sort of 10 minutes. But um, you're proud of your boys and confident going into the next round. Yeah, very much so. That's it. Job's on the F done today. So, yeah, we'll uh, take a bit of confidence going into army next Saturday at Odsall. So I look forward to that. So the Royal Navy play the army this weekend in Odsall and the final match is on the 7th of October in Salford between the RAF and the army teams. And some more news in rugby league duels. We were talking about the selection of um, the three RAF girls earlier, but the army's Carrie Roberts is in the England set up for the Rugby League World Cup later this year, which is great news. Thoroughly deserved. Exactly. Uh, you want to expand on that? No, well, well no, done. thoroughly um, deserved. Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, she season. she wasn't sure and she's been playing well for Saints, obviously, but she had a massive injury last season. And I just think, you know, this would be the cream on the cake for her. I did like the sound effects department, what they've been up to in those interviews with the motorbike <laughs> and the train. Portsmouth, everything's going on in Portsmouth. Um, the most southerly rugby league match you'll probably see all year um to football now the uk armed forces men got their season off to a winning start with a 4-1 win over hartbury college that's off the disappointment of not retaining the kentish cup earlier this year and in the combat cup the royal marines beat the raf regiment at raf cosford they were in a title deciding match after the infantry pulled out of the competition due to scheduling issues a 3-0 win for the marines means they've completed the double after beating the Parachute Regiment for the Falklands Cup in July. This, 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 this forces sport. Thank you for listening. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm here with Julian Evans. Now, our guest this week tells us how professional rugby contracts work for serving military personnel. Chris Folk, the Chief Operations Officer and Secretary of Army Rugby Union, talks about the likes of Samisa Rokodaguni, who played at Bath Rugby for 10 years and went on to represent England. He paved the way for a growing number of men and women signing up to the big clubs, but it's generally done on an individual basis. Chris explains the development of the process and how it benefits the player, the armed forces and the club they've signed for. The player that sticks out is, is Rocco. Um, you know, Rocco's been an, an absolute servant for Bath Rugby. Um, he's played for England four times 
Uh, and you know, we, 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 we were just bowled over um, you know, to, for him to get international honours. And since that time, you know, there's been others that, that have, you know, um, have sort of stepped up as well. We, Lewis being at Glasgow Warriors now, he was at Northampton Saints. We've got uh, Siva Nail Argo um, at Bristol Bears. Some of the union boys have, have now sort of gone across to play league. Um, and, You've and got a rifleman up at um, Newcastle. Newcastle Falcons, just signed like, yeah. up there, yeah. But and, and don't forget the women in all of this of course, as well, yeah. because um, you know they 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 although they've signed contracts, they're not getting the same bang for buck at the moment. And so we've got you know Beth and Dainton at Harlequins. We've got three at Harlequins. You know, um, Sally Stott at Loughborough. Um, Courtney Perslows has just signed with Sale Sharks. So, but they're only on a sort of pay as you play type arrangement at the moment and I think you know there, there will be um, and I think it'll happen quite soon some reality that women quite rightly in my view should say should have the same or similar ish amounts of financial um, retribution to to the blokes yeah I'm glad you brought up contracts because something that people always ask us is but they're a soldier how is it that they're on a, a full-time contract at Bath how does that work? So, so the army now has a professional sportsman's uh, agai, a, a, um, a general instruction, um, and it get, lays out there the the process that if you are good in whatever sport you want to do, um, you can actually sort of put your name forward. Um, and there's a process. You know, you have to um, you have to get obviously your CEO's permission because the, the the person, whoever it is does belong to the CO at the, at the end of the day. And if the CO says no, then they aren't going. But, um, and from there, um, you know, uh, there's various things that have to be put in a contract that um, what, the, what the Army Sport wants. So for us, we have quite a long list, um, you know, and at the end of the day, it does state in there as well that they're a member of Her Majesty's Armed Forces. And if at the end of the day they say, hey, we're going to X location and we need you to come with us, they turn to the right salute and go and, and go that way. So um, it's something that's evolved in the last, I'd say, five years. Um, and you know, so even during COVID, though, there was a process where um, that people were sort of being contracted more male than female. But it's good to see that the the girls have come back now. And I'd say at the moment we've probably got two more girls. Um, on contracts than we have got guys. There's a little bit going on at the moment. Clubs are falling short of funds mm. at the professional level. Mm. You know, Worcester Warriors is, yeah. is the obvious one. Will they fold or won't they fold? In fact, by the time we finish this conversation, <laughs> they may do. already have. Yes. So do you think that some of these clubs are looking to servicemen and women in that you might be able to get somebody a little cheaper, perhaps? Uh, absolutely. And, and um, so a soldier, depending on their value, will have could have some of their wage um, abated. Um, and so let's take, um, let's take Seva Nialo at Bristol. Pat Lamb doesn't pay, pay Seva Nialo the same amount of money that he plays one of his other marquee players. Um, and so yes, they are, they are considerably cheaper jewels, but they are getting a lot more money um, than just being a soldier because he's playing a professional sport. And does that mean that it's the army p pays just a certain amount of their wage rather than their full wage whilst they're away for premiership clubs. It depends on who you are, what rank yeah, you are. Yeah, so it's so all individual. What we're saying is if you are a private or junior NCO soldier, we would encourage the unit not to take any money off them um, because, okay. uh, you know, otherwise they 
they don't gain anything from it, basically. Um, but uh, And it's all done individually, so Nail Argo will pay a different rate to, um, say, um, uh, Lewis Bean in, in Glasgow. Um, and, and I'd say that... Uh, um, we, we will go out of our way and speak to the club and recommend that they don't do that as well. So the, cl the clubs are un under the impression as well of, of what they're going to receive. Um, and, and I think, you know, you take um, Kwaki, H. Uh, Ayler's son, who's just signed down at... Um, Jared Ayler. Jared. Jared Ayler. Yeah, yeah, so Jared... Marine, yeah. Exactly, down at Penzance. Uh, sorry, Cornish Pirates, um, and you know he, he's on a probably a similar type of arrangement um, to what say um, uh, the boys, the army boys are as well. It's fantastic PR for the military. I think mm. it, it, it sells what you guys do, and it's it's a sport that sort of almost forms the foundations of what being in the military is all about. I think so. We we certainly suffered over over the COVID period because um, last summer. Um, it was the individual sports that were allowed to resume before the team sports were. And, you know, we, we played a few sevens games last summer. Um, and, and it was very much trial and error. And we still had a load of COVID restrictions to put in and all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I think um, it's, it's taken its while to, to, to ramp back up. But, uh, yeah, I think... We're, we're, you know, this is our first non-COVID season that we're going into again now. And, um, you know, we're really, really looking forward to it. What is it about the sport of rugby that lends itself so well to military life, though? I think it's a lot of the uh, the core values, Jules, that, that you know, um, the British Army have. So, you know, courage, leadership, respect for others, uh, you know, those sorts of things. And, you know, you could probably sort of mix those in to a lot of the Army sports. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we have our core values and, you know, our strapline, um, soldier first, sports person second, um, you know, works exceptionally well for us. Um, just going back slightly on the contract thing, and you mentioned Jared Haler at Cornish Pirates. You've also got um, Sam Atavesi, obviously, yes. at Northampton. Yep. Um, in terms of, I, I sort of, I might be wrong in saying this. But I feel like the army had, uh, you, you sort of did it first in terms of the, the Premiership rugby players. Yeah. Have the Navy and the RAF, obviously Josh is at a bar still, mm. uh, have they come to the army to ask advice or have they set up their own yeah, system? Yeah, so uh, I've, well, the RAF did it on their own. I've had good conversations uh, and I get on very well with my counterparts in the Royal Navy and we had conversations maybe two years ago where um, you know Alan Church was asking me how we went about our business and you know there's there's no secret about it and I said look you know we do it this way because they don't have a professional sportsman's agi they do it in a slightly different way and the RAF do it in a slightly different way as well and you'd think with you know with with what we've got in say joint services publications for sport you might find that actually those sorts of people would come up with a generic JSP, but that hasn't occurred yet. You know, perhaps from this, you know, somebody might think yeah, that's a good idea. But like you say, it's 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 always down to the individual. So maybe that's difficult to come up with. I don't know. Yeah, because it's I different mean, for every one of them. It, it is, but there's a framework that you could a, a, apply. And, you know, it all has to start with the CEO or the station commander or whoever is, is that person's boss. Go through the complete chain of command before it comes back to our desk. But we then put input into the club as well about the, the stipulations of what should be in that contract as well. So I think there could be, say, 75% of it for all three services as just generic sort of um, footprint, really. Just to go back to the men's game, you saw Rocco, or Rocco Daguni, 
you know, start in, in 2011, mm. you know, he, he sort yeah, of... Yeah, the sevens. Yeah. yeah. But in three years from then, he was representing England at Twickenham yeah, against exactly. the then world champions New Zealand. Ah, absolutely. That sort of meteoric rise, how much of that was down to the army helping shape him as a, as a soldier, as an athlete, and, and how much of it was obviously what he was doing well, on I the think, club scene? I think initially, um, obviously, it's how that person gets um, you know, discovered by a club. And so I think it was just before we went to Denver, we were at Bournemouth in the sevens down there, and they had a, a development team in there. And obviously they went back to their club and said, perhaps you want to take a look at this guy. And so he went to Denver, played with us, and he was quite a skinny guy then in those days. And actually, you know, as you say, Jules, you know, three years later, he's flipping Mr. Muscle all over the place, isn't he? And uh, yeah, that's a great example. But it's, you know, it, it's not just, the club that does it, you've got to have that want as a player to do it as well, don't you? And uh, yeah, he was a classic example of, of club and player coming together to get the top sort of level of... When, of, when will the next Rocco come along? When can we next... Has he year, got a little brother? Well, well he, he has, has. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he has got a uh, Rupini. Um, but I'd say there, there are a few um, that are in the pipeline and, you know, I, I think... I think somebody... There's, there's probably four or five, you know, the guy up in Newcastle, mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a few that aren't that far away. Of course, Chris mentioned the lad up at Newcastle, Imi Kurawale, who mm. has yet to start for yes. Falcons. Yes. But um, our, our military players doing really well across the board. I must just apologise for the audio there. It did sound like we were discussing things from three individual traps in the gentleman's loose. We weren't. We were, we were in a, a bar. In an, but it was an empty bar, hence the echo. Hence the echo. As soon as we turn up, everyone left. Um, but yeah. yeah, of course, Sam Matavesi is doing really well at Northampton Saints, although they did lose at the weekend. And of course, Lewis been in Scotland. But um, just before we say our goodbyes, there was a big goodbye at the weekend. Did oh. you manage to watch this? I, I've the... spent most of the week. I mean, I, I didn't think that would make me come to tears but um you know everyone was andy murray started crying Rafa well, we haven't, was crying we haven't, Djokovic we haven't, was crying we haven't said who, who's, who's departed the sporting scene it is of course roger federer who won 20 grand slam finals in my eyes probably the best tennis player that's played on the eye because it was the yeah. way it was the style it was style yeah. Over everything else that he had. and up until now been pretty much injury free. So he's had this sort of reign of you know he's forty one now. Um, it's just incredible. But just no, no age at all. <laughs> I sent you the picture as well. This made me laugh. Um, there was a picture of Federer and Nadal actually holding hands, both blubbing away. You know, sitting on the bench there at the Labour Cup at the O2. And Stuart Broad had tweeted it, and he said, "This will be me when Jimmy retires in 2053." And I thought, just that cross-code love of sport. But they, st <laughs> they still lost. They still lost the Labour Cup. I know for the first time. Mm. Well, so I think um, maybe yeah, the emotion, maybe got the emotion to got to them. But um, um, another big week of sport ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're looking ahead to multiple World Cups. We've obviously got the Football World Cup, Nations Cup, not doing brilliantly for the home nations but um i don't know do we do we do we await um our verdict on gareth southgate after the world cup do we see what they can um in, in terms of england anyway what they can produce there you know he's certainly not going to be axed before the world cup is he well it's difficult to get anything out of the nation's cup because they are just glorified mm. friendlies really aren't they yes and maybe that's what they should be seen as warm-ups you know yeah try trying um, your players out 
And did you watch, I was a bit rugby league sort of um, fanatic over the weekend and watched the grand final. A bit of a predictable, in terms of the season, it was quite predictable. Don't say that. that. Don't say that. Be, well, it was, be, you know, St. Helens were, were, yes, but they, they were rubbish up until you know, oh, halfway through the season. So, um, yeah. They've it's done well to get where they got. Yeah. Record, record breaking St. Helens. So what are you up to this week? Do you know? Um. Not a lot, actually, Jules. Um, just uh, looking at bits Standard. and pieces. Yeah, I, I sadly won't be able to make the um, second rugby league week, which uh, in terms of in services, which is um, coming up this weekend at Oddsall. But we will be live streaming that for you. So who can as we, we did the first? Now then, ne- next week we've got somebody worth listening to. Unlike you and I, who who are we going to have? A word from next week on our. Well, program. I feel like we've already promoted it because, of course, the two weeks we had off um, due to national um, importance. Obviously, um, before that, we were telling you about a half-hour special which was dedicated to Luke Pollard. And I'm pleased to say we are still going to bring that to you next week. Luke is, of course, an RAF athlete, and since 2019 has been the guide for GB and England visually impaired triathlete Dave Ellis. This summer, they hit a massive high by winning gold at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, and they've been at the top of the tree for most of their time together. Um, but they had a disastrous Paralympics in Tokyo last summer when the chain broke on their bike during the race and couldn't finish. And it sounds like that event has taken some time to recover from. So the win this summer was doubly welcome and celebrated. So all of that for you next week. Do tune in. Luke Pollard has a surprising amount to say. But that's it from Forces Sport for now. Please do email us at forcesport at bfbs.com with any feedback or suggestions on future guests and any events you think we should know about. Don't forget you can listen again to the weekly Forces Sport program at bfbs.com slash podcast or on your chosen podcast platform just search for forces sport the whole back catalogue is on there plus you can also view the full interviews on the bfbs sports show youtube channel so it's goodbye from me and from jules for another week thank you for listening 